Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Yes, you can have a seat. This is such a great day to be in God's house. I see some of you looking sharp because you came to church with your mama today. You get extra points. I know what it is like to have my children in church with me, and I love it. In fact, my family is here today. I will be honest. My four-year-old's a little bit of a wild card. He is great during worship because there's a drummer right? And uh, he can move and do all the things, but when it's time for the preaching, he has his own sermon he would like to share with everyone. So we'll see how today goes, but I'm so thankful that they are here with me. But first of all, I want to honor your pastors, Pastor Kevin and Robbie. They are friends of mine, and I want you guys to know my family, we've walked through several storms the past few years, and the amount of times they have reached out to us to pray for us, to meet a need that we have. I want you guys to know that I have been pastored by your pastors. Your pastors are solid gold. They love you, and they are standing in the gap for you. So can we give some honor where honor is due and give it up for your pastors? And personally, I think God has given Robbie a very special gift. She is one of the best laughs I have heard on the planet. And I just found out today she is a sister who has also been gifted with the same laugh. I was blessed recently to sit between her and another hilarious friend at a retreat. And I went to bed that night and I just said, God, thank you. I just got to laugh for three hours nonstop. It was a blast. But I love your pastors and I'm so thankful they would ask me to share the word of God with you this morning. My husband, Brandon, and I, we worked with worship for years with New Life. I still serve on the team, but now I work a lot with prayer ministry and women's ministry. That's just a little bit about me. But there are several reasons why I love today. The first thing is I have an amazing mama. She raised five of us kids, one boy and four girls. We spanned over a decade. There was always so much going on in our home. And she made sure, there were times we didn't have a lot. She made sure we were clothed, we were fed. She always encouraged and championed us. But I remember thinking at times, you know, when I'm a mom, I'm going to do these things differently. Okay, if the young ones in the room may have had these thoughts. When I'm a mom, I, I'll put my own spin on things, especially in your 20s. At least in my experience, that's the decade where you know the most about the most. At least that's what it was like in my life, where I thought, when I'm a mom, I'm going to do some things differently, right? And then my 30s hit, and I had children, and I went through something called sleep deprivation, and I called my mom on the phone, and I said, I know nothing. Please come. It is urgent. And guess who came? My mama. And this is a true story. Um, you know, when we had our first child. I really didn't know which way was up. We were not sleeping well. I was just hoping to survive till the morning. And uh, when my husband and I, we were involved in worship for a lot of years. And I'm now involved in prayer ministry and women's ministry. But in those days, when I was trying to get back into the routine of coming to church and serving on the worship team, after having our first baby, my mom would come and take care of her. And I remember just being glad I had clothes on and they were the right way. They were facing forward. And I handed my baby off to my mom. And she looked at me and she said, honey, I just need one thing. I said, okay. She goes, I need a passy. I said, oh, yeah, okay, I'll be right back. I ran upstairs, got the passy, brought it back. And I was in mental, total mental fog, okay? If you've had a newborn, you know what I'm talking about. I walked up to my mom and I tried to give her the passy. I said, boop. She backed up. And I thought, this is how deep I was in, y'all. I thought, why is she not taking the passy? 
and I bumped her lip again. And then my mom backed up and looked at me with the most concern I have ever seen on her face. And she said, it's not for me. <laughs> Honey, are you okay? I said, I don't know. I handed her the passy. I walked out. I was like, God, what has happened to me? So if you are a young mama in the room, I want to take the pressure off. Give yourself grace. Sleep will return. This is a short period of time. And if you are a mama of an older child who knows the most about the most, I'm telling you, your golden years are coming. She or he will call you on the phone and say, save me. There is no one else. But anyway, my own journey into motherhood, it actually was not easy. My husband and I, we tried for years to have children. And I remember the amount of doctor visits. I remember the amount of prayers, the amount of times where it was the spirit of God that kept whispering, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. I remember how many times I struggled to believe that God was going to provide that blessing in our life. And then we had our first miracle baby, my daughter, Israel. She is eight, about to be nine. She's my little lover. She loves family. She loves her friends. She loves all animals. She is a true animal lover. There she is. Yeah, she's like, this is her at father-daughter ball with makeup looking like she's 16. And she's the one who tells me that she's going to still snuggle me when I'm old and wrinkly. So I'm going to cash in on that one day. We'll, we'll see. And then it was four and a half years later, we were blessed to have my son Xavier, who we call Zavi. And he is joy and full of life and energy, and he can turn anything into a, a gun or a sword in like one second. He loves building things and smashing things, but he also tells me his best friend, okay? He tells me I'm his best friend. And so these are my babies, and between the two of them, we walk through miscarriage, and so I have a baby in heaven, and I just want you guys to know that I know today may be a mixture of joy and pain for some of you in here, like um, Robbie was saying earlier. And I just want to say you are not here by accident. Jesus is in this room. The Bible says when we lift up the name of Jesus, he literally inhabits our praise. His presence moves into this space, and he is life. And I am believing he's going to encounter you personally today. But something I love about moms is when God chose to send his son into the world. He could have chosen to send him in so many supernatural ways. But before he revealed his son to the world, the first person he entrusted his son to, fragile and helpless, was the care of a mom. So I want you to know what you do matters. And when you think no one sees you, God sees you. And he personally knows what it's like to get up every day and have to take care of a bunch of needy people. So he has got you this morning. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the word. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be in your house. We are thankful that when we call on your name in prayer that you listen. We are thankful, God, that your word is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. We are thankful that you have a specific purpose that your word accomplishes when you send it forth. I pray, God, you would speak your word into our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the story I felt led to teach on today, it may seem a little unlikely for Mother's Day because it is not the story of a mom. At least she wasn't a mom yet in this story. But it's the story of a woman who had a condition that prevented motherhood. 
And I believe God wants to speak to every woman in the room today through this story. So Luke chapter 8, verses, verse 42. It says, as Jesus was on the way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Now, this story is about a woman with a huge need. She was sick in an unusual way. She was bleeding nonstop for 12 years. So the very system of a woman's body designed to bring forth children was dysfunctioning. She was unable to bring forth life. Now, according to Old Testament law, a woman in this condition was considered unclean. She was simply not allowed to touch people. If she did, they were considered unclean, and they had to follow specific protocols to become clean again. She was not allowed to make food for her family. She wasn't allowed to wash people's clothes. Okay, that part wasn't bad, right? She was not allowed to go to the synagogue with God's people to worship. She was isolated from family and community, considered defiled. She was weak and sick and alone, quarantined for 12 years. I don't know about you guys, but we didn't handle quarantine too well in 2020, right? We just had it for a few months, and she had been in this condition for 12 years. In Mark's account, it says she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She spent all she had, and instead of getting better, she grew worse. And then she heard about Jesus. Then she heard about Jesus. Something shifts in our life, whatever we are facing, whatever we are carrying, when we begin to hear about Jesus. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And here Jesus was the living word of God himself. She began hearing stories about this man who taught God's word with authority and healed the sick. And all of a sudden, this new thought was planted in her heart. She thought, if I could just touch the edge of his garment, I will be healed. Her belief in God began to grow larger than her fear. Her belief in God began to grow larger than her fear. That's what I call faith. So if you're taking notes today, that's the first thing I want you to write. Let your belief in God grow larger than your fear. I don't think there's a woman in this room or a man even who does not have some area of concern or anxiety that you are walking through right now. It could be for yourself. It could be for your children. The Lord is not saying pretend it isn't there or pretend that the risk or the sacrifice is not involved. He's saying let your belief in me get larger than your fear. And I want to encourage you. I know some of you are parents in here and you are believing for children who are away from God. And I want to pray a blessing over you if you're in that place. God, we thank you that you have entrusted children to us. And I pray right now, every mom and dad that are standing in faith, believing they will see their children follow you, I pray you strengthen that faith today. I pray you breathe a new word of life, even if it's been over 12 years. And I pray these children will come to the Father. They will see you as the true and living God, and they will follow you with their whole heart. We believe you to do this in Jesus' name. Okay, so this lady wants to go find Jesus, and it was a risk just to enter a public crowd. She could be shamed or, or uh, forcibly removed for attempting to touch a man, especially a rabbi. But she had come to the end of herself. 
I don't know if you've ever been a place, in a place like that in life where you've come absolutely to the end of yourself. This last year was that year for me. A couple years ago, uh, three years ago, my twin sister had her first diagnosis with breast cancer, and for a year we walked through treatments with her. And then her scans were clear. And right after that, my dad walked through a life-threatening battle with COVID. He was on a ventilator for months and months. It is a miracle that he lived. And God brought him through that. And at, right after that, my sister got a second diagnosis with breast cancer. And in the middle of that, my marriage went through the hardest season we've ever been in. And last year, I came and shared the word of God with you guys and left here. And I went to the beach with my family the next day. And we spent most of that beach trip in the hospital in Florida with my twin sister, Amber. And we came home and spent the next few months in ICU. And she passed away in November. And I'm saying all this to say, there is a side of God that you only learn when you are in the boat and wave after wave continues to come. There is a presence that you can only access in the valley of the shadow of death. I found a side of Jesus I never even knew I needed before. I found myself on my face before him in prayer in a way I had never been. When we were in ICU for, I don't remember, three, four months, we put uh, scriptures all around my sister's wall. We filled her room with worship music, and God's presence literally was there. I see you room number five. People would come and ask us to pray with them. We saw a woman get healed. We saw people give their lives to Jesus for the very first time. As my sister was ending her journey, other people's journey in Christ were just beginning. We saw the presence of God move in in the hardest place we have ever been and show off. God exalted himself, and I am telling you, when you get into the place where you are at the end of yourself, the only place there is to go is to Jesus. And that's what this woman did. She has what I call grit. If you want to know what grit is, the definition is courage and resolve, strength of character, unyielding courage in the face of hardship or danger. Now, she may have been weak in her body and mind after 12 years of bleeding, I went through a season in my life where I found out I was severely anemic, and I needed to have a surgery, and before I was able to have the surgery, I had to get transfusions of iron to build my blood back up. And I'm saying all this to say how I felt on the inside, the amount of brain fog, the amount of fatigue. I remember I couldn't go on a brisk walk without feeling like I needed to go take a nap. And this woman had been in this condition for 12 years. And no doubt, she's internally wounded from all the isolation. She doesn't have any more money, but this whisper of faith said, I have a feeling this man is not like the others. And she knew the risk. She knew she could be punished and shamed, but she knew those other men could not heal her. So she had a voice that said, whatever it takes, I'm getting to Jesus. I want everyone to say that phrase with me. Whatever it takes, I'm getting to Jesus. Okay, that was okay. We can do a little bit better, right? Whatever it takes, I'm getting to Jesus. Mamas, our children do not need to see a perfect mom because there aren't any. Even though Instagram wants to try to tell us there are. There's pretty pictures, but we've all had to wipe booties. We all make mistakes. Our children need to see an imperfect mom who does whatever it takes to get herself to Jesus. 
I'm an imperfect mom. So we've just made admitting mistakes and asking for forgiveness a regular part of our home life. And I was doing this with my son one day, and I, I just had responded too harshly to him, and so I just asked him if I hurt his feelings, and he was like, and I said, I'm sorry, buddy, will you forgive me? And he said, Mama, what is forgive? And I said, it's when you don't hold on to the wrong that someone has done to you. I was like, it's, it, it's exactly what God has done with us. We ask for forgiveness, and he doesn't hold on to the wrong that we've done, so we're able to forgive others. And we went outside, and we sat on the swings, and I actually was able to lead him in a prayer to forgive this little boy who had bitten him several times in his preschool class. And I could see on his face that God was ministering to his heart, and he even brought that prayer time up several times later. Now, I had to go have my own prayer time, and I had to pray a little extra forgiveness in that situation. If you're a mom, you know what I'm talking about. In Hebrews, it says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same things that we do, but he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. This is what the woman did. She came boldly by faith. Now, we live in a day where the enemy is bold, right? Bold with lies and confusion and offense, and it is spreading like wildfire in our culture. But God has called his children to be bold, not to win an argument on social media, but to be bold to get to his throne first, that we might find grace and mercy, that we could then turn around and be vessels of that to other people. In Philippians, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Number two, if you're taking notes, we have to pioneer the path to Jesus in our family. Pioneer the path to Jesus in our family. We decided to homeschool my daughter this year because of the season that we were in as a family. And so I've been her teacher, and I would not give myself an A, okay? We are making it. She, we're making it. But I think both of our favorite subject this year has been American history. And, you know, it's been a minute. So it's literally like I'm relearning this for the first time, okay? We've been in the founding of the country in the pioneer days, and I'm reading about Daniel Boone and how he was this explorer and this pioneer and how he would go into these brand new territories and he would carve out paths that the settlers would come behind him and follow. At first he would do it by carving notches in the trees and then settlers would come and eventually it would be so worn it would turn into what looked like a trail and eventually the trails would get wider until wagons and whole families could follow the, those same paths. And today many of our interstates that cross through our nation that thousands travel on every day are actually the very same trails that were worn out by a few pioneers in the very beginning. When we show our families how to get to Jesus through prayer, through worship, through the word, our children will travel these same paths. And one day, generations will travel the paths of faith that were first carved out by a few. In fact, I'm betting most of you in here who follow Jesus, there was someone before you that led you to know how to get to him. My mom 
taught us how to worship in my home. My dad taught us how to study the word, but my mom had parents who were not believers. They became believers when she was older, and they became first-generation missionaries. They actually reached out to people in cults and led them to Jesus. And I am very aware that I'm traveling this path of faith that was carved out before me. Somebody has to be the first. Well, this woman with the issue of blood was the first to believe if she touched the edge of his garment, she would be healed. Where did she get this idea? Have you ever wondered? Because there were actually other people. After this healing, there were other people. They would bring the sick, and Jesus would walk by, and his garment would brush over them, and they would be healed. In Jewish culture, in fact, the, in the book of Numbers, God commanded Jewish men to add tassels to the edge of their garment. And these tassels represented the commandments of God. It was a reminder to follow and obey God with all of their hearts, to live a life that was holy unto him. These tassels are now called prayer tassels. That's what the edge of the garment meant for this culture. But there was also a prophecy in Malachi that said the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And the word we read in the English as wings, in the original Hebrew, that word meant the border of their garment. So there is a chance this woman took this prophecy literally and thought, all I have to make it to is the border because he is the son of righteousness and he has healing in the border of his garment. And God honored her radical faith. Isn't that amazing? But what I love the most about her idea is that she brought to Jesus the very thing she had been missing the most, touch. She had not been touched in 12 years. No affection, no intimacy, no hugs, no pats on the back. But she risked it all to bring to him what no one had given to her. So whatever area you feel depleted in, maybe you don't hear words of affirmation. Maybe there's some mamas in the room that feel invisible or unseen. Some of you may feel alone. You could have a house full of people and feel alone in what you're walking through. Some of you could be in grief. Jesus says, bring it to me. There are times when our lives are full of blessing and we can bring to the Lord what we have. But there are other times where he says, bring me what you don't have. Those moments are precious unto the Lord. This woman gave him what she was missing the most, touch, and he touched her back. Power without even his knowledge flowed from his body into her at her touch of faith. So number three, let his presence fill what is absent. The Bible says once she touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. Immediately. There is nothing too difficult for the Lord. And Jesus stopped as well. He said to everyone, who touched me? And the disciples, I just always imagine the disciples, they always make me feel better about life, right? If you're feeling discouraged reading about Jesus, just read Peter's response. You're, you'll feel better. Okay, so the disciples are like, 
who touched you? Peter's like, seriously, Jesus? Do you see this crowd of people? There's so many people around. He says, no, I know someone touched me because I felt power go out from me. Jesus would not let her hide in the shadows any longer. He wanted a face-to-face encounter. He didn't just want to heal her barren body. He wanted to heal her barren soul. And he knew in his face was the love, the acceptance, and the restoration she had been missing. He wants face-to-face moments with you and I. There are moments where God is just waiting for us to come before him face-to-face, to let the cry of our heart come out of our mouths to him. And then God loves when we turn around and tell everyone what he's just done, and that's what this lady does. It says, the woman seeing she could not go unnoticed came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she touched him and how she had instantly been healed. She came trembling. I've thought a lot about why was she trembling. Was it the fear of God at his power? Was it a fear of being exposed and punished? It was probably a mixture of both, but she takes a posture of worship. I don't know if you know, but the word worship, it means to bow down, to lower yourself before another out of honor. She falls on her face in a posture of worship, and then she boldly declares what Jesus had done for her. And it's almost like the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I can see the Holy Spirit just depositing seeds of faith in everyone that heard her story. But then Jesus says something that changes everything for her. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. What does he call her? Daughter. She's been rejected, ostracized, isolated, and he looks at her, and the first word he speaks to her is daughter. He's saying, you are mine. From here on out, you are mine. I am your father. Do you realize it's the only woman Jesus speaks that word to, that he calls her daughter. This was such an important moment. It was actually right in the middle of another healing. Jesus was on his way to heal the daughter of a synagogue leader, Jairus. And do you know who'd be most responsible for welcoming her back into that community after she had been cleansed? It would be Jairus, and he's right there getting a front row view as Jesus heals her and invites her into his family. He calls her daughter. When we place our faith in Jesus, he receives us, forgives us, and looks us in the eye and calls us daughter or son. We are a new creation. We have a new core identity. In 1 John, it says, See how great a love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. I know you guys are aware of this, but the world is trying to shout so many confusing identities at us right now. But the word says the world does not know us because it did not know him. In other words, for those who follow Jesus, who we are starts in who he is. His spirit is now living on the inside of us. The two are inseparable. Paul said, I was crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ now lives on the inside of me. God is now our father, our Abba. That is the Jewish word for daddy. It's their common everyday word. 
And we don't have to live in our sin any longer, and we don't claim our sin as our identity. God gives us his spirit to overcome. But I've been learning as a mama, we cannot afford not to arm our young kids with this truth. You know, as a mom, there are times where I teach my kids something intentionally and other times where I teach them something I didn't mean to teach them, okay? When my daughter was younger, we were trying to work on manners. Some of you may remember this. And uh, there was a time where we were in a conversation. It was my husband, myself, and my daughter. My husband said, Israel, I want you to use manners. And she said, why? And he said, because that's what we do. And I said, because it shows kindness. And she goes, mom doesn't use manners. She just talks boss. I want to talk boss. And my husband backed me up. He said, your mom uses manners. And on the inside, I'm like, does she? Does she use manners? That was a moment where I taught her something I wasn't trying to teach her. But we are in a season right now where I am intentionally walking her through the word of God. She's in third grade. You know what friends in her age group are talking about? Identity. She is paying attention to what's happening in the world around us, and she's like, Mom, why is this person doing this? Why do these people think it's okay to live this way? So I have been walking her through the word of God because the enemy has his own gospel, and he's getting it into the youngest of generations. And if we do not arm our children with the truth of the word, the enemy will get his word to them. So we've been walking through scripture, and I was trying to answer her questions, and I said, is... A lot of people have a lot of questions about themselves right now, but they are trying to go to someone besides their source for their answer, and it's just leading to confusion. I said, let me explain it this way. She has a little app on her iPad. In fact, this is the iPad she uses, and the amount of cracks that are in the screen, you would know that I'm a mom, but uh, she has a little app where she draws cute little pictures, and I said, "Is if I didn't understand something about one of your drawings, what would I do? And she said, you would ask me. I said, that's right, but why would I ask you? And she said, because I'm the creator. Because our little kids understand the word creator. They're all little content creators, right? And I said, exactly, you're the creator. So you had a specific intention and purpose in what you were doing when you created this drawing. So if I had questions, I would come to you because you're the creator. She said, yes. And I said, we are creations. We have been created. I did not put myself together in my mother's womb. My creator did. He designed me with a purpose and with an intention and with a plan on my life. And if I have questions and go anywhere but to my source, to my creator, it ends in confusion and unfulfillment and ultimately emptiness. I know I may be preaching to the choir right now, but I'm sharing this with you because we have to share this with our children God wants us to understand what being his son and daughter is all about, empowered by his Holy Spirit. All other roles in our lives flow from this core identity. Do you guys realize once you are a believer, you are a son first. You are a daughter first. Being a mom flows from being a daughter of God. Being a wife flows from being a daughter of God. Being a boss, a business leader, it flows from being a daughter of God. The beauty in it for us moms is that God is not asking you to provide something for your kids that he is not going to provide for you first. He wants to flow his love into your life, his joy, his freedom, his healing, and then flow that out of you to your children. So when you don't have anything left, he does. 
When you see only problems, he is the solution. When you are weary, he says, come to me, I will give you rest. When you're thirsty, he says, come to me, and I will fill you with living water, and from you will flow fountains of living water. Number four, my father is my source, and I am his daughter. Everything changes as his daughter, as God's daughter. We are given full access to all he has, healing, provision, freedom, protection. What do you need today? What is it for you? I want to encourage you guys to bow your heads. We're going to move into a time of prayer. Some of you in here today, you might be thinking, when she talks about being God's son or daughter, I don't know what that's like because I haven't made Jesus the Lord of my life or I haven't followed him in a long time. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity today to receive a new life in Jesus. So if anyone is in here in that place, will you lift your hand so I can pray with you? If anyone would like to make Jesus the Lord, the Savior of your life, lift your hand and we're going to pray. 